Welcome to our penultimate installment of Downton Gabby, brought to you by the charming ladies of the Downton Abbey Second Season Auxiliary Viewing Society. We're almost at the end of our Season 2 saga, and we are going to talk about a double episode loaded, even overloaded, with drama. Okay, there is a lot to discuss about this two-hour episode of Down Abbey, and we're just going to kind of take this topic by topic. We decided we want to start talking about that moment when Matthew stands, the dramatic revelation that he's not really permanently paralyzed, and then the incredibly dumb explanation from Dr. Clarkson <laughs> about why. If that is not a malpractice lawsuit, I don't know what is. I do not know what is. <laughs> well, okay. So what 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 do I feel in that moment? <laughs> I was like, "What? This is like all my children territory." This is like yeah. like, like shark jumping at its most refined. I yeah. think. I mean, why not be a little bit more realistic a couple episodes ago and just say, we just don't know. He could regain in these instances we don't know. So then it wouldn't be such a shocking, soapy, crazy twist to the audience. Oh, man, it's so great, though, when he stands. I know, I'll defend that moment. (laughs) It's just like, Ah. you've got to be kidding me. He doesn't just stand. He, like, leaps to his feet to save Lavinia from dropping a tea tray or something. She's so stupid that she runs straight over that whatever useless ottoman is. Shannon. We probably could have come up with a scenario where he, like, really needed to, like, you know, keep her from falling off a cliff or something. But, no, she might have, like, singed her dress in the fire if she tripped. God knows we can't have that. Yeah, it was relatively awkward. Uh, I don't know. There's so much to talk about dresses in this episode, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I that, was a, that was a really quick segue to talking about outfits. <laughs> that was like the worst outfit segue ever. <laughs> okay. Wait, we, we can't segue yet. I want, it, I want someone to quote Dr. Clarkson. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me paraphrase. The thing is, sometimes people look paralyzed, but they may not be, but they stand up sometimes, but we always veer (laughs) on the side of your parallels for life rather than there may be hope and I actually don't know what's going on at all with your spine. Here's the thing is that apparently some other doctor was like, no, there's probably hope. And Dr. Clarkson lied and was like, oh, this guy totally agrees with me. (laughs) No hope at all. He's going to win worst doctor ever. I mean, he's literally the worst doctor. (laughs) He is the worst doctor ever. No one likes Dr. Clarkson. Not even Gloria Grantham doesn't even want to eat lunch with him anymore. And that's saying a lot because he's dying to eat luncheon with somebody. Yeah, and instantly the doctor's like, yes, you will have a normal life. And it won't be long in coming. And I'm like, they're talking about him being able to do it. And they're talking about it in front of the ladies. There's, like, a lot of talking about him doing it, I feel like. Even, like, there's, like, a moment with the Dowager, and it's kind of like, ooh, I can't remember the exact <laughs> line now. But I was like, wow, they're talking about it. 
<laughs> yeah. So can we talk about that awkward moment when Matthew announces they're getting married again? Oh, man, at the dinner table. See, Shannon, so I took it this way. I thought it was awkward because they're just telling the Granthams that they're going to have their wedding at their house. And, you know, a wedding is like a big, you're really, you know, imposing on a person to yeah. have a wedding. It, it's house. like technically they asked if it was okay, but they asked in front of like everybody in the middle of a celebration. So you and how do you really say no? Them. Yeah, to the guy who just stood. That thought yeah. he was paralyzed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can't be like, actually, we're busy that weekend, you know. But no, but the icing on the cake is that he's like, I would like to announce that I'm having my wedding at my ex fiance's house. Yeah. yeah. It's also awkward. his future estate, though. Like, he's going to be true. the. Oh, yeah, that's true. He does technically kind of own it. But just yeah. when they cleared all those hospital beds out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now they have another. Yeah, I'm sure they're happy to do it. Did they seem not happy to do it? I think they were happy to do it. I well, think they Cora were happy. Later was concerned about it being postponing Mary and Sir Richard's wedding. She was yeah, concerned. and Lord Grantham was like, whatever. <laughs> Tired of thinking about Mary all the time, and no one's ever thinking about me and my buddy, Matthew, and this is why I love Jane. <laughs> right. Everything you ever said last year that I thought was charming and lovely this year yeah. is going to really annoy me. Yeah, totally. You know, because I, I love just, Jane. Yeah, I just really feel for him, though. Once again, all he wants to do is eat luncheon with Cora and she's got to take that letter to another room. I mean, I yeah, I just have to say they said luncheon about 12 times in this episode. I just couldn't get over it. It was just. I don't think I would have noticed if you hadn't had tweeted about that. And then I watched the episode and I was like, every time they said luncheon, I like flinched. <laughs> there, is there a drinking yeah. game? They are saying it a lot. Yeah, we could have totally done a drinking game. Every time they say luncheon, we do a shot. We would have been hammered. Yeah, it was like yeah. Pee-wee's like Pee word of the day. Like I screamed. <laughs> well, wait, I think we have to talk about, are we happy that him and Lavinia can now... Like she w she sacrificed. She was about to go all in with him, even though he didn't have a tingle down under. And so now, are we happy for them? I feel like it's laid out from the very beginning with the conversation with the dowager that she is the speed bump to the Matthew and Mary happiness. And it's like, what are we gonna do to get rid of her? And luckily, something <laughs> happens. Oh, <laughs> luckily. Way Luckily, harsh. Spanish flu. <laughs> Luckily, sweet Way harsh. Sometimes yes. a well-timed plague is the best thing a love story needs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, how else? I mean, so as we've been saying all along, you know, Mary, Mary, we had to have a reason to root for Mary again because she was kind of, you know, not great at the end of season one about why she wouldn't marry Matthew. So we had to sort of feel like she deserved him again. But then I was a little bit puzzled by how on earth do we get rid of Lavinia? <laughs> but Lavinia, Lavinia can't die, you know, sweet and innocent. She has to die after seeing Matthew and Mary, like, making out. And ballroom dancing. Dance Let's floor. not forget that. They're ballroom dancing. That's and ballroom awesome. dancing. <laughs> that, that was definitely the 
sort of tortured romantic moment I've been yearning for all season. Though. Oh, it was awesome. Can I just say? It was awesome. Oh my god, I think I moaned. I was so. I was like, <laughs> oh, I was oh, just geez. like, finally. <laughs> like, I actually, I made my husband come into the living room and sit with me and rewatch the entire scene with me. Oh, oh that's so cute. Everyone, that's. <laughs> That's one for the Valentines out there. <laughs> exactly. That was our Valentine's moment for 2012. <laughs> scene together. That's... So Lavinia, the problem I have with her that leads up to her death is that she is such a mouse, as Teresa put. She sees Mary Matthew and she doesn't do anything about it, which just creates this crazy guilt you know, martyred situation later instead of just confronting them and Matthew and asking him what's up with his feelings for Mary. Right. She's like, don't, don't, don't worry about me. I think it would be best if I just died. And... <laughs> pretty much literally. Like, hello, is that not the like, guilt? that's like a, that's what like a guilty mother does, you know? Like a, right. like a like a Catholic mom or Jewish mom. At, well, I'm both, so I get it. But like, <laughs> you know, like they. It's it would so... be better if I just died. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fine. Don't come home for Christmas. It might be better for you all if I just died. <laughs> I think it's we're like such a sad moment, though, because it's like she was ready to go like all in. She totally loved him, and then she's like, "I just want you to be happy," which is like. Not an emotion that a real person feels. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. There's, <laughs> I mean, you you love I love you and you love someone else, but please be happy. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm just not um, a very good person, but I wouldn't think that in that scenario. <laughs> I would I be was... like, if I have to go to hell, I'll see you there. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in hell. You know, just do like the motion with your with your fingers, like I'll see you, Mary. Yeah, or like, yeah, I'm gonna die so that I can haunt you for the rest of your days. But what a terrible thing to think before you die. I was second best. I mean, that's sad. That's really sad. It is sad. It's tragic. It is. Oh, she looks so sad on her deathbed. Literally. Well, I mean, what else is she gonna look like? Well. So sweaty though. She just got. I like, know they didn't smaller. really let her have that like magical disease where um I don't know Roger Ebert describes it as like everyone in the movies dies of just getting more and more beautiful until you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these diseases. No, and you Cora... eventually die of your pristine beauty. And Cora <laughs> looks like shit in this episode when she's sick. And you guys, can we talk about the Lord Lord Grantham? Like, does not give a shit that she is sick. Oh. But no. Come on. He does. I don't know. I don't know. He's making eyes at Jane. I feel like he's not as dialed in as he could have been. Hmm. Well, he is once he figures out that it's, like, more serious, right? But he does decide to, like, take a side trip to go talk to Branson because he doesn't seem to realize that people are, like, really sick. Not just, like, a little food poisoning, but, like, real, real bad. Maybe he's just so used to being stood up at luncheon that he just thinks, you know, everybody's just saying they're sick, you know, to get out of eating with him. Did you ever think for a moment that it would be Cora that died? I did. I did too. 
I totally thought Cora was going to die. I kind of rooted for it. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, guys. She's just really annoying. She hasn't been given too much to do lately besides whine about Mary's prospects. And I kind of wanted to see O'Brien to have like a full guilt meltdown because she was acting real crazy. Those were some interesting moments when O'Brien is like about to confess to the delirious <laughs> Cora. And I just want to be like, O'Brien, you need to not. You need to stuff that down the memory hole. You need to not tell anybody <laughs> about that. Don't bring Seriously. it up. Seriously, just... that which we do not speak of, O'Brien. Like, that is more... I mean, it's not going to help anything, you know? It's not. It, so... it, it, Brandy, I had the same feeling. I was like, oh, that is more trouble than I need this season. Yeah. We just don't... O'Brien, shut your trap on that to the grave with that one. <laughs> I mean, they should do a slash. They should do a Cora O'Brien slash. I'm on it. Hold on. It's going to be like... You're gonna be like Lord Grantham's been so distant lately. <laughs> oh, my lady. <laughs> Should I run your bath, my lady? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, oh, you guys are right. Go. It's perfect for it. Step into your underpants. And <laughs> <laughs> that, Rachel, I still think about that every time that like and Bates or O'Brien is dressing them. It's so intimate. It gives <laughs> it gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's like. You know, when you go to the gym and it's kind of awkward to see people naked, that's the same feeling I get when I think about someone dressing me every single day. Sometimes <laughs> three three times a day. Yeah, it's really strange. Did you find any slash for Cora and O'Brien? I did. <laughs> okay. I did. I'm curious about that. I did, but I didn't find anything smutty on the level of the, the fine, fine work of Lady Oracle. Oh, didn't we get a yeah. comment from her? Oh, yeah, Yay, we did Lady get a Oracle. comment. Yeah, this was it. so exciting. We um, Lady Oracle wrote us and said, thanks for the shout out on your last podcast. Your reading of extracts properly made me laugh. Slash always sounds 10 times worse aloud. <laughs> oh, totally. That's so no. exciting. I hope she knows that we do it with love. <laughs> Totally. And Shannon is even trying her hand at it a little bit, isn't she? Well, I think I think that's a good moment for Shannon to read a little bit of what she's whipped up this evening. Well, I just want to thank Lady Oracle for showing me my true calling of uh, writing slash erotic fiction. So um, <laughs> my inspiration was Carson and Jane who I feel like is is uh, unrequited love on the show. So here is my slash. I hope you enjoy. In the dim light of the abandoned library, Carson caught the innocent gaze of the adorable new housemaid. Oh, how he longed to save her pure heart from the clutches of lusty gentility. If she would only turn her beautiful blue eyes on his dutiful heart, he would worship her every benign word. He took pains to brush her delicate hand every time he handed her the wine bottle during dinner service. Maybe having housemaids in the dining room wasn't so bad after all. The <laughs> candlelight perfectly illuminated her vacant Azul stare, which sent his heart and loins a flutter. Maybe he would have to ask Bates what is the best way to catch her in the hallway. More to come. <laughs> Brothers, the line friend. about maids in the dining room is, is really good. 
I just find the idea of Carson being attracted to anyone being humorous. But I feel like if he was going to be attracted to someone, I've always assumed it would be a, a male. But I don't know. Like I don't, I don't feel that. Really? Hmm, He's just, interesting. I don't know. I don't like imagining Carson's. I don't imagine his loins. I don't like that. <laughs> when I think of Carson, I just I think of a Ken doll, just kind of weirdly unspecific in the loin area. <laughs> And undressed. Just Even a little Carson vague. in his pajamas was a little disturbing. Totally, totally. Super. I don't. Yeah, I. I don't like thinking of it that way. No, Shannon. I think it's great. I think your slashed was really good, especially working in the whole maids in the dining room thing. I actually did that for you, Therese. Oh. <laughs> that was a little shout out to you. That's awesome. That's really good. I think that a lot of the I let's talk about the servants and how they're sort of de-sexed. I feel like they are. Not Bates and Anna in this episode. Well, okay, Bates but and Anna. Anna. <laughs> and Ethel, I know, but it, it seems like the rest like 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 the older servants are and like William was not really. And Dana. Yeah, what happened to Mrs. What, Mr. Padmore? We've got Mrs. Padmore, but what happened to Mr.? Well, Mrs. Hughes, when she, um, on that one episode, sees her old beau and decides not to leave Downton, she said that maids and cooks are always called Mrs. So I don't know right. if we're supposed to believe that, that Mrs. Padmore ever had a Mr. Padmore. Hmm. That's probably That's true. <laughs> Interesting that they're Mrs. But that they're is married funny. to their cooking. <laughs> they're married I'm married to my pillow fluffing myself <laughs> I'm married to this <laughs> ring of keys that I carry around <laughs> it is interesting Teresa to bring up that point though in an episode in which Bates and Anna get down in Mary's bedroom <laughs> ew I think it's a guest bedroom that she guest yeah, it's a guest oh my god you guys <laughs> This week's Fuck You, Mr. Bates is literal. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh. But I love, okay, if we back up a little bit, I do love that scene where Anna's like, no, sir, we are getting married. Yeah, <laughs> that was happening. great. You know, she just, she takes charge. And I like that a lot. Yeah, it's. It's great. I feel like a lot of women took charge this episode, even um, our little friend. Oh, gosh, it's my cold spacing me out again. Who's the youngest daughter? Sybil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about Sybil yet. Yeah, she's like, we are going to do this thing. I do like you, but all you can do right now is kiss me. <laughs> yeah, and he's sleeping <laughs> in the chair. It's pretty cute. That is That was adorable. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of issues with the storyline, but that scene I find to be very sweet when she's finally like, let's do this. Although it is, if I was him, I'd be like, wait a second, do you only want to do this so that I can take you traveling? Because you're kind of making it sound like you just yeah, decided he, you want to see the world. And I'll he says that, as a companion. He's like, oh, so, and I'm your ticket out? She's like, that's right. He's like, you don't want to take that ticket? She's like, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> but then he's like, but you're sure you don't want to burn your bridges? 
And I'm thinking, Branson, now you care about that. You've never <laughs> cared about that before. Stop asking questions, Branson. Just kill it's them. pretty hilarious and cute how sure they are that in order for this love to see the light of day, they will never talk to the family again. Like there's been no middle ground discussion, you know? Yeah. They don't really discuss things. I feel like it's like each one of them makes a declaration and they go with that, you know? So it's great when Mary shows up and, and Edith, I'm sorry, Teresa, I don't need to. <laughs> oh, Edith has to drive. Not important. This is the whole reason Edith learned to drive. Yeah, this is it. This is the whole reason. Edith doesn't even get a line until 41 minutes into the show. Julian, Therese is counting. <laughs> Therese She's is like the counting first the image, minutes. <laughs> I noted it. I noted it because I'm like, Edith hasn't said a word. It's been over half an hour. Okay, let's let's continue. Sorry. Oh my God, Therese, I love that you're a one-woman champion for Edith. I love it. It's amazing. It's awesome. Someone has to be. But the sequence, <laughs> the sequence of them chasing down Sybil and Branson is pretty great. I think it's really great. That's kind of some of the most action we've seen all season outside of the, you know. Hey battlefield. now, Cora took, Cora took letters from one room <laughs> to the next. If that's it's not been a while since we've seen anybody outside of the estate, though, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've and it's been a while down. since we've seen. Since we've seen the sisters get it and do a bunch of stuff, you know. But I also love the scene when uh, Branson shows up to the awkward drawing room scene, you know, and his like suit that he looks like, you know, his mom dressed yeah. him. <laughs> they really could have handled that better than him just walking in and being like, I'm here. <laughs> it's so awkward. And I mean, the Dowager saves the day and then Lord Grantham has his fit. He's like 15th fit of the episode. Oh, he has so many hissy fits. Oh my God. He, so Lord Grantham is like bowing and scraping all the while seducing my daughter. And he's like, I'm not bowing and scraping. I haven't seduced anyone. He's good. I mean, he stands up to him. It's impressive. It is. It is impressive. So another storyline we need to talk about is what's going on with Ethel, who still seems to spend 95% of her time sitting on a bench in a hovel holding her baby, waiting for Mrs. Hughes to show up. Um, but the Bryants decide they want to come to Downton and talk to the people who were the last ones that saw their son alive and, of course, have a luncheon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Mrs. Hughes decides she's going to tell Ethel about this and see if she can get mrs bryant to see the baby and and reconsider things don't really go as planned <laughs> and we end up like it's yet another time when the servants burst in on a meal <laughs> and basically are are embarrassing <laughs> everyone in front of their guests um it's pretty entertaining actually what do we think about this this storyline at least no one's stealing food <laughs> but Mrs. Hughes is stealing food for Ethel. Oh, she's still stealing food? I think so. This is what whips were invented for. <laughs> what? What? Going back to corporal punishment for the corporal servant. punishment. <laughs> it is really awkward that Ethel has to wait in like 
the meat room? Well, I'm like, where they have like all these like dead carcasses, like while she's waiting to get the cue to go talk to the bride. Did anybody else think that was really weird? Yeah, people are yeah. just like, oh, there's Ethel with her big baby. Where's she going? No matter. Why does she smell like venison? That's weird, you know. Um, would you, if you guys were this couple, would you be suspicious of a lady barging in and claiming the baby was their your grandchild? I guess. I don't know. I think I'd be happy. I mean, if I just lost my child and there's a chance of a grandchild, I mean, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. But I don't know. Mr. Walrus Mustache is not happy. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about Ethel's final decision. I mean, would you have given the baby to the rich grandparents? Or do you think it's better to be raised by your silly poor mother? I think she I mean, should have given the baby up. Stella yeah, Dallas, never, all the way. Yeah. She should have Stella Dallas it, yeah. I mean, I've never had a kid, so I don't know what it would be like to give up a kid. And they were being very unreasonable, at least Mr. Bryant was, about, like, not wanting her to ever see him again, which has got to be tough. But the argument, a mother's love is better than opportunities for a better life. I don't know if uh, that final no. argument really, really got me. And then if she yeah, dies, he, he literally has nothing. Yeah. If anything happens to her, he's going to be in like a Jane Eyre style kind of a situation. Oh. And then, you know, or like Oliver Twist at worst. So. Yeah. yeah. But I also think let's go back to Ethel being like, I've got big dreams. I'm going to be a big girl in a big city I mean you think she'd be like get this baby off my back so I can get back to whatever her big dreams were which we never quite understood well I think so the selfless true. the big selfless thing to do would have been to say it's going to kill me and I'll forever miss this child that I have like that's pretty brutal to give up a oh, kid definitely. you know and then but you have to like kind of come to terms with the fact that you'll probably suffer your whole life, but your kid will thrive. Rachel, I noticed that there's a, a tweet um, sent to you from Sabrina Eldridge, who says, I hope that your latest Downton podcast makes a reference to Mr. Crawley doing his best Edward Cullen impression. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, do you guys feel that way? I mean, he looks pretty pale and emaciated. He looks crazy by the end of this episode. <laughs> like, yeah. he took a gray paint and threw it on him. I mean, he's not sparkling, so Edward Cullen would have sparkled a little bit more. Totally, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Teresa, we did forget a really awesome, hilarious Edith moment when she is, like, complaining to the Dowager that she's always arranging presents for mm -hmm. people prettier than her. And the dowager is like, don't be defeatist, dear. It's very middle class. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. But that's after she was encouraging her and being like, your time will come. Just let me get these other people squared away. <laughs> totally, totally. And I do think Edith's time will come. I think in the next season, it's, you know, Sybil's going to be off on her journey. I think it's going to be all about Edith. 
Okay, so maybe we should discuss where we think the next season is going to go, because we do have the Christmas special still left, but I mean, a lot of British Christmas specials are just kind of one-off-y fun things, so it's hard to know what this is going to hold. And then the 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 end of this is kind of a, the official ending of season two, kind of, in the UK version of numbering things. It's kind of a downer. It's just the, the cemetery scene. Um, where Matthew's like, Mary, you and I are cursed. Yeah, pulling out the whole, like, cursed, like, we just, our love is, like, blackened forever because of this. I was like, oh, why'd you have to go say that? You would get over it. (laughs) But can we just talk about what the hell is she wearing at that funeral? I mean, really, (laughs) guys. I don't even understand. It's like a velvet sack dress with big buttons. It's just, it's so upsetting because she's had so many beautiful dresses. I just, such a shame. Maybe she's punishing herself by wearing that dress. I don't know. It was really. Well, hopefully a Christmas special per Brandy asking us what we could look forward to will be full of holiday festive attire. Because God knows we've earned it this season. The war is over. They can get some new dresses. We need dresses. We need velvet. We need diamonds. We need a party. I hope Not there's that a party. Jessica McClintock prom dress that Mary was also wearing for most of the I years. like that dress. <laughs> no, I, like I love that dress. I think that was a copy of a Chanel, actually, if I remember my research. Whoa. Sorry, I only saw the Jessica McClintock knockoff, I guess. (laughs) I've only seen it dumbed down. Really hard on this episode, fashion wise, Shannon. Yeah, Shannon, ease up. Can you say one thing? (laughs) Shannon, what is one thing you liked that someone was wearing this episode? I really like Sybil's dress of um, the The one that's wearing. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's really pretty. And I mean, Edith in her casual dress when the dowager comes in while she's arranging the gifts, her little casual dress is really cute. So. um, I think because Lavinia's green dress is gone, you have nothing to make fun of. You have to pick (laughs) on everyone else. You just have high standards for Mary's clothes, guys. What about that red dress she wears with that sort of over vest type thing? I don't know how I feel about that one. I don't know if I love it. I like her in darker colors. Mm. Anyway. Brandy, Brandy, we might have to take this conversation offline because we have, yeah. have a lot of opinions here. So. We're going to email each other some photos after this uh, <laughs> offline. Nobody needs to hear us talk about this anymore. You guys, I do think I just I realized and I think I'm firm on this. I think I can commit to this on the podcast. I think I definitely want to be O'Brien for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Because the hair is so fun. That's really a great costume. Yeah. My hair is knitted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, guys, we haven't talked about Bates. We talked about the wedding night. I guess we should talk about the extremely convenient letter that Vera sent her friend the day before. Saying she feared for her life, which to me is like too convenient of a detail. So this must mean that Bates is innocent, right? Like in the classic sort of 
Sherlock mystery way, like the most obvious clue is always a red herring. Mm-hmm. But then he still gets arrested at the end, so who knows where that's going. Yeah, I'm just really unmoved by his whole this whole thing with him. Like, I really do hope by the end of the um, Christmas special that we're just, like, done with this part of it. I'm definitely more nervous about Mary's clothes than I am. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, I don't want Anna to have gotten married and then just immediately have something, you know, terrible. I'm envisioning like a situation where she has to sacrifice herself to save him. But then it turns out that he really was innocent, like right after she's like thrown herself on a burning pyre or something like that. I mean, definitely. it could be very dramatic. And I want I want Anna to be happy after all this trouble, after she's waited so long for this dude, even if I'm not yeah. terribly fond of him. You're right. I want Anna to be happy for sure. So I hope this concludes and goes her way for sure. If they have to do like conjugal visits in jail for all of season <laughs> three, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, Bates in, in like prison work clothes. Mm. This is not meet Shannon's fashion seal of approval, prison clothes. (laughs) Do you think that we're going to see, like, like Sybil's wedding to Branson? Oh, Oh, that would be fun. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's about time. This is, like, family vacation episode, right? Like, they go to Dublin. This is, like, how in America every sitcom has to have, like, an episode that takes place in Hawaii at some point, you know? So, to wrap this episode up, why don't we each say what our hope is for the Christmas special? What are we most looking forward to? Well, my hope for the Christmas special is that we go back to the world of house parties and lovely gowns and the whole pre-war, I'm incredibly rich gentry living in the country. Yeah, I'd love for some more men to show up at the house. And um, I'd love for Edith to get a little intrigue at the end of the season. Because, I mean, Teresa's rubbed off on me. I'm really rooting for Edith. So um, I'd like for her to get a little love interest by the end of the Christmas special. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, not only because we're pretty much settled that, you know, Sybil's going to be with Branson and we're we're crossing our fingers that, that everything's going to work out for Mary and Matthew now, despite his gloom and doom. Um, we need some new blood for, for Edith, right? You know, we need some romance in here and she's, like the dowager said, her time's going to come. So I'm hoping for that as well. Yeah, I am hoping. I would love to see some juicy love interests for Edith as well. I feel like she is the dark horse, and it would be really great to see her kind of end up with a really great true love. And I really do hope Mary and Matthew get over their guilt issues with Lavinia. God rest her soul. And I really want to, like Teresa, to get back to, you know, fun activities like hunting and parties. We we haven't had like a dance scene yet. I'd like to see a lot of dancing. Right. Dancing would be nice. More yeah. waltzes. Joy. More we waltzes. need joy. More ballroom. Yeah, more focus on the fun historical details, you know. Like when I was like more excited hearing them mention like the new haircuts in Paris than like anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see some of those new haircuts. 
<laughs> It'd be great if Sybil just like showed up with one of those haircuts. And I love Lavinia being so shocked. But they're not so feminine, are they? Goodness. <laughs> Maybe I'm not so feminine. I dare say I think you are. Whatever he says. <laughs> no need to watch the episode. Just listen to us. We'll, we'll, okay. Yeah, we'll do the whole thing, guys. We do all we'll the act it out badly. All right. So, well, let's see which of our predictions come true next week in the very exciting final episode of season two. We'll be there to talk about it with you on Downton Gabby. And you can find us at DowntonGabby.tumblr.com, on Twitter at Downton Gabby, and on Facebook at, yes, Downton Gabby. So, Leave comments, stroke our egos. We love to hear from you and uh, we'll see you next week. 